to the Reverend Dr. Dean Professor Luke Powery, one of the greatest preacher prophets and teachers of the art of homiletics we have in this nation. So honored to be here. I'm a Baptist preacher. 20 minutes for the sermon. That's tough. I got 20 minutes of warm-up act right now. I want to thank the dean for this wonderful and mysterious opportunity to be here. I just got off a plane coming in from Daytona Beach, stopped in a bathroom with a transgender brother and Mexican friend and a Muslim hangout. I'm reeling in a real hole right now. We live in times that are difficult. You have here some of the most extraordinary scholars. I see my friends Mark Anthony Neal and Rick Powell, two brilliant black scholars. If you ain't taking their classes, go take them. They don't need no more students, but go beg them. They're wonderful. C.T. Woods Powell, my homegirl, she was going to fix me breakfast if I got in in time this morning. A wonderful administrator and a wonderful human being. Professor Trina Jones writing brilliantly about discrimination and race at the law school. I got some former students here. Not enough punishment at Georgetown, so they're back for more. Wonderful uh, young people. Uh, Miss Danny Brembury, Bembry, who is now a law student here at Duke. You are punishing her in that 1L, I believe. And Miss Taylor Conley, who's a big-time analyst sales analyst out at Clorox, so you know she's clean. Y'all gonna have to do a little bit more laughing than that. I, I ain't got for 20 minutes, don't make me beg you. And Brother Westbrook, great to see you as well. This morning, I wanna turn your attention to the scriptures that are read. I wanna read in the King James, however, the preferred text of James Baldwin along with Henry James. I want to read in what has been renamed 1 Corinthians. Y'all slow. Y'all real slow with it here this morning. I, I ain't got that kind of time. In 1 Corinthians 15, 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. Is in the Bible. I'm just preaching what the Bible said. Waiting for the last trump. In 1 Corinthians 14, it speaks about the incredible opportunity we have to be an instrument of the Almighty. But the word of warning goes forward. The word is that you've got to be a finely tuned instrument, otherwise you're going to make some crazy sounds. Now, there are more technically sophisticated words and terminology for crazy sounds, misleading sounds, harping sounds, sounds that are full of, signify, full of fury, signifying nothing. The, the word tells us that in this particular time, we have to be careful 
that revelation, knowledge, prophecy, and instruction are in place. Because if they are absent, then we will not know what sound we are listening to. The word goes on to say that there are lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp. And then therefore, how will we know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? We are living in times, if I had more time, I'd develop a propodeutic and a Kantian sense and edge on up to the thing. But we here. This ain't a Frank Sinatra concert, this is Luther Vandross. Thank you. I love Sinatra, fly me to the moon and let me love him. But this Luther, don't you remember? I told you I loved you, baby. Y'all need to re-excavate re that brother right there. And so we are living in a time when a man stands up at 5.30 every morning to excrete the moral feces of his ethical depravity into a world he has turned into his psychic commode. That's why he knows about holes beneath his nose and above his chin. Some of the most foul and invidious words that have been uttered, a contradiction to the man whose memory we celebrate this Sunday. Martin Luther King Jr. was a prophet. Martin Luther King Jr. said, impossibly difficult things for people to hear. Martin Luther King Jr. is celebrated now as one of the greatest Americans, in my mind, the greatest ever, greater than Jefferson, greater than Lincoln. Why? Because they had the imprimatur and the official imprint of the state to legitimate and justify and validate what their political sensibilities were, but this man was a private citizen. No bodyguards, no secret service telling the truth in America, which will get you killed. Martin Luther King Jr. was a man of love. His last book was named The Trumpet of Conscience, posthumously published. And in that book, he talked about the fundamental practice and premise of peace and nonviolence in this world. But he began to talk about aggressive nonviolence. He said, let's go to Washington, D.C. You ain't got no job. You might as well come there and clog up the main arteries of traffic. If you think Black Lives Matter is a problem to you and you think King was different because he was a nice Negro and they are nasty and vituperative and they interrupt stuff, he was trying to interrupt stuff too. He just got his life interrupted. Those who claim they love Martin Luther King Jr. don't really love him. If you love King, you love King's legacy, King's tradition. You love the people that King produced. You love the ideals with which he wrestled. And you love the early King, not the late one. The early King studded Sunlight Summit in August 28, 1963. And in the nation's capital, he conjured the majestic and royal rhetoric of Abraham Lincoln when he said five score years ago, a great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. 
You loved him because he talked about a dream, but after that speech, he gave another one. He had more than one album. He had more than one hit. There later, September 15th, four girls blown to their reward by a vicious white bigot in Birmingham, Alabama. There later in 65 in Watts, 67 in Detroit, my hometown, the trail of smoke because of the fires of riots. King said, I saw my dream turn into a nightmare. He began to say to white America that I hate to conclude this, but most Americans are unconscious racists. That's not what we put on the Burger King mat where they have a face of Dr. King when you put your whopper on his mustache and your fries on his eyes. Commodify him, eat him, but you don't ingest him. You don't consume him. He is too radical for us. He is too revolutionary for us. He called whiteness a lie long before even James Baldwin. Whiteness as a social construct, whiteness as a fiction and a myth in which people invest. This is why your president is so consumed with hate for everybody. He don't like no Mexicans. He don't like no gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual people. He don't like no Haitians. He don't like no Africans. And the cowardly, cowardly ways of those white senators who stood in that room with him and say they can't hear. They are worse than Donald Trump. We know what he is. We know what he's made of. We know what he's carved from. And many white people are upset too. You know it's bad when white folk upset. <laughs> Jiminy Cricket, what's he doing? <laughs> he treating y'all the way y'all been treating us for 300 years. Oh, I know it's hard to hear. If I had more time, I'd be smoother with it. Donald Trump is the fleshly thesaurus of the definition of white supremacy. Donald Trump treats America the way America has treated black people for 300 years. Don't care how smart we is, how much education we got, and let's be honest, he just mad that the man who had the job before he did is better at it. I wish I could be Obama's anger translator. <laughs> we in church now, I can't tell you what he would be saying. Like like the penultimate, the 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 one before the last State of the Union when he said, I ain't got no more races to run, and the, the white Republicans got all giddy, and he said, I've I beat you twice. That ain't what he really wanted to say. He was wanted to say, Look, I done whipped you twice. What more do you want from me? Because mediocrity is the ostensible and aggregate characteristic of blackness. And now we got one of the most mediocre, inarticulate, glad to be unenlightened by any sense of knowledge, glad to be unmolested by enlightenment, 25 words in his vocabulary, sad, bad, see dick run. 
I say this because it is not just Donald Trump. It is the complicity and silence of white brothers and sisters who refuse to call him out. It is as well. And if you think you are a white liberal and as a result of that, you are safe, no, you're not. We're living in a world where the collaboration with organized government calls for the raising of conscience and the articulation of responsible hostility toward this administration. Patriotism is not loving uncritically whatever America does. That's nationalism. Donald Trump is a white nationalist and many white Americans are white nationalists too. I know y'all don't know about it here, but imagine, say for instance, if you had a statue of a, a Confederate general. I know y'all don't know nothing about that here. But just say for instance, you had a statue in a church where the Holy of Holies is genuflected before, where the radiant presence of God is connected to the space and place we occupy, that greeting you upon entry would be a man who celebrated the death of black people and the evisceration and eradication of our bodies. It is not enough to be against Donald Trump. You must be against principles and practices of white innocence and fragility and ignorance that say, I ain't heard what he said. It's not just senators who say that. You see it every day when microaggressions against people of color. You see it every day when you notice things that are awry and yet you are cowardly in your silence. We who are cowardly are complicit in what we see this man doing because what he is doing is bigger and broader than his own administration. It taps deeply into the wells of white supremacy and the hatred of the other. And guess what? Nobody is safe. That's why I tell my black brothers and sisters that, that, that don't, don't think cause you against racism, but you homophobic at the same time, that you good. The jig is up. I was at a black church the other day. A woman told me I was going to hell. I said, Jesus, I guess I won't have to watch my cholesterol now. <laughs> she said, you going to hell because you... You preaching that God made gay people. I said, well, I just got to check your theology. Are you telling me God is imperfect? Are you telling me somebody that God made ain't real and authentic? You're, you're, you're blaming God. You ain't blaming them. Well, we chose to be black. They, we didn't choose to be black. They chose to be gay. I want to tell you, some people have opted out of blackness. I ain't going to say no names. Been there and done that. I, I, one of my favorite singers is Clarence Carter. I'm just saying names to you. My point is that some people have opted out. But, but did you choose to be straight? You went to your mother at 13? Look, I got an um, examination of the options, and I've made a choice. I'm going to flow with this heterosexual thing for a minute as long as it gets me what I need. This is not how it works. How do we know it's not a choice? A white senator from 
Iowa who hates gay marriage and who says he is committed to family values goes into a bathroom and touches the toe of the man next to him in the stall. Now, I've done the same thing, but I was asking for some toilet paper. I know I was hitting on the dude asking for a date. Such are the rituals of gay people who are closeted, who are forced to find public spaces of affirmation and private realities that reaffirm their own homosexual identity as a legitimate and valid entry into the annals of human history. I'm almost done. I ain't got no time left, but I want to say this. The Bible says you must make a serious sound that people can understand unless you have an instrument so blunt that it blunts the message that should be communicated to those of us who are part of the body Christian. The Bible says we shall not all sleep. Some of us going to be woke. We shall not all sleep. Some of us will stay woke. But at the last Trump, thank God, this ain't the final Trump. That's the good news this morning. Good news for me, because this is not the ultimate expression of who God is. White arrogance will no longer substitute for theological insight from God. Whiteness has been so long worshipped that we have assigned deity to it. You must become an atheist in your heart in order to worship the true and living God. The Bible says that some of us will waken, and when we wake up at that last trump, the imperishable will come. Stuff that ain't going nowhere. And I'll tell you what ain't going nowhere, love. I'll tell you what's not going anywhere, truth. I'll tell you what's not going anywhere, moral beauty. At the end of the day, you and I must be committed to believing that beyond this nasty, nefarious, invidious, hypocritical sound being made out of the center of American political authority that hates everything that is not white. And I'll tell you this as I go to my seat, white working class, he ain't no friend of yours. He signed a bill for taxes that ain't hooking you up. If all Donald Trump has to offer you is a Confederate dream and the belief that you will not have to get along with others in the sandbox of life, you have moral poverty. Martin Luther King Jr. was in jail and his jailers came to him and said, Dr. King, integration is wrong. He said, no, it ain't. They said, yes, it is. He said, how much money do you make? And when they told him, he said, hell, you need to be out here marching with us. That, my friends, is the ultimate truth. That is the sound after this Trump. There was another Trump of justice, of righteousness, of the fulfillment of God's vision. You must decide today what Trump you will sound. You must decide today what side of the road you will be on. And you must decide whether you will worship God or you will deify a whiteness and a class success and a vision of liberalism and conservatism that is a poor substitute for identifying with the least and lost and vulnerable in this life. 
because the man we celebrate today died with garbage workers in Memphis, Tennessee. And the night before he was murdered, he gave arguably the greatest speech of his life. He said, all we ask America, be true to what you said on paper. If you said it, live it. And that is our challenge. That is the final Trump, the Trump of God, celebrating truth, goodness, beauty, justice, and mercy. The God who believes in loving everybody because we are part of this great nation. E pluribus unum, out of many one. And the God we worship would have us challenge everything that prevents us from embracing and loving each other. God bless you.